Okay, so, lovely to be with you this morning. Right then, shall we get cracking? Yes, so, an Easter series for the next five weeks in the lead up to Easter, we're going to be looking at five different stories along the way, and in particular, relationship to key individuals involved in the story from Easter, and those who were spending their time with Jesus. And um, friendship is a great part of this particular part of the story, okay? We're going to be looking this morning a lot at friendship and that kind of stuff. And if you were a child of the 90s or the noughties, you may have heard of the Toy Story films, okay? Now, I used to have to tell my kids to be quiet when I was trying to watch um, Toy Story when they were small, so I was well into them, like, you know? But yes, 1996, the first one came out, I think 2000, the second one, and then 2010, the third one, and I, I think I've lost count of how many more have come out, it's probably four. But we look at and think about the friendship of Buzz and Woody, the characters in that story, and how in their life's journey together, they really did journey through life in friendship and with friendship and love for one another. So this first week, we're going to be chatting about faithful friends or friends to the end, a glimpse into the personal friendships Jesus held close in his life. So this week, we're going to look at uh, Jesus' friendship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we're going to look at uh, this story from John 12, verses 1 to 11 this morning. So the slides are going to come up on screen there, and we can follow along the verses together as I shall read them out for us. So six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pewanard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So an interesting part of the Easter story, the build-up and the lead-up to the crucifixion. And here we read that Jesus uses Bethany as a place of refuge, of retreat from Jerusalem in this big week that was leading up in his life. And he chose a certain way of preparing for this time. And that was to invest in relationship and friendship. To find encouragement and to be reminded of his ministry, his service to the people of the world. That he was, you know, going to his death and of course his resurrection afterwards as well. 
But here we understand the humanness of Jesus, the want and the need for friendship, to know encouragement, to know that someone is with him and for him in his journey. So a big week ahead. Now, does anyone ever get a big week? You know there's big things going on this week. And you think, maybe a little bit nervous, or you're worried about, have you got the capacity for the total workload that was coming your way? Or do you have the skills to be able to get through the certain things that you needed to do or to achieve? And we all experience a big week ahead. Maybe it's a special appointment, or we're going to the doctors, or we're finding out something that could be life-changing. So we kind of get into to Jesus' thoughts of, you know, there's, there's something huge happening here. And what can bring us encouragement in those times? Well, it's a kind word from a friend or someone we know is with us and for us and in that journey with us together. So we really understand the humanness of Jesus in this part of his journey. So Martha, we know, is like a server, a practical person, someone who likes to be hospitable. Mary had a spiritual understanding. She had a mature attitude towards Jesus, and she had a loving nature. And Lazarus, of course, had his miracle story, a faithful friend to Jesus, because we hear about, you know, he was dead, and Jesus brought him to life again. And in that account earlier on, we, we read that Jesus wept when he heard of the death of his friends. So we get into grips with, you know, the, the, the closeness of friendship and the love for one another. And in a previous account, we, re, we read again, you know, that Martha, uh, Martha served at home. And when she was serving and being busy and doing the do with her hospitality, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, being relational to him, listening to what he had to say and giving him that time. So, that is something that we can all kind of understand in that, you know, the busyness of life, but also relationship and communication as well. So, Jesus returns to Bethany in the final few days before being arrested. So, there's a bit of a repeat going on in terms of being with Martha and Mary and Lazarus at this time. So, there's a meal here hosted in Jesus' honor. Martha serves. Lazarus is, is there you know, raised from the dead and actually in the mix, enjoying some friendship and time out with Jesus. And Mary, we read, anoints Jesus' feet. And there we find his friendship, love, and worship in that mix. And this attracts criticism from Judas, who sees her sacrifice and worship as a waste of time and a waste of money. And we kind of get a little bit of a grip of people's heart attitude of Mary's heart attitude to Jesus and Judas's heart attitude. And all those things, some of it is encouraging, but some of it is discouraging as well. But Jesus says that she has done a beautiful thing to me and she did what she could to prepare my body for burial. These are picked up in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark as well. So just painting a picture of, of this scenario, okay? So... Jesus has got a big week ahead. He's spending time with his friends. There's some significant relational interactions that go on. And what I want to look at this one is what are the personal takeaways for us? What can we find from this story, from this account, in this first part of the Easter series? What are the things we can take home with us and put into place in our lives or give consideration to as well? 
Well, first of all, hospitality is a crucial part of a living faith. And it is a crucial part investing in friendship as well. So what is hospitality? What is the bigger picture about hospitality? Well, let's have a look at these verses again here. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So Jesus frequently visited and spent time with his friends and family. We read about this how they would dine together and enjoy one another's presence. And it's good to remind ourselves that the man Jesus, in his humanity, displayed the need and the want to be friends. There's something within us that is, that is individual, but it is human nature to want to belong, to be part of a friendship, to be part of people lives and experience, and that brings us life and health into our very bones, into our very being. And with Jesus' imminent arrest approaching, he sought the company and encouragement of friends. Of friends, and that is important, that heartbeat of friendship in our lives. If there was a focus on our lives and in our journey together, I think looking back upon the years gone by and where we're at now, I think friendship is such a key critical aspect to feel whether, yes, I'm, I'm enjoying life or I'm finding pleasure out of life and purpose out of life because I do have connections and friendships on my journey. In John 15, Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And there's some great things in the mix of those verses there. It's personal. It's the personal want to, to meet. The friendship, which is amazing because when we think, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, the Almighty, the Messiah... And then to consider that he calls us friends, that is like, that is huge when we get our minds around that. And then there's a, this openness where he talks about all that I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. The Father's love, his thoughts, his will for our lives. There is no greater aspect to consider that God wants to make a difference in our lives, in our hearts, in our journeys. He wants to be involved in the day-to-day, -day, the little decisions the conversations that we have, our dreams for the future, that God's love is in the, in the mix of it all. And then there's this call to mission, to use our lives as a living sacrifice, a living witness to others that we live in for Christ. Christ has made a difference in our lives and we want to help others in their own journey. And then there's the obedience, the command to love each other, that is an obedience that no matter how we feel or where we're at, God calls us. He whispers in our ear, you know, love each other. Now, whatever that means to you, whatever those things that, that, that are challenging you at the moment, I still call you to love other people. So Martha has this great anointing, this call to hospitality. Hospitality provides a platform for friendship, a welcoming personal extension of friendship. Now, going back many moons ago, Sean and I had this great evening where 
There, there was a, a, a few pr prophetic um, people who were coming to pray for a few of us in the church. And of course, prophetic encouragement is very important. We read about it in the Bible that where God's insight and love for our lives can be spoken into our hearts, there to encourage us and help us uh, along our journey. And this particular evening, th there were some guys praying for us. And uh, as part of that, it was quite amusing that the, the guys were praying for us. And um, one guy, was, as he was praying over us, he said, well, there, there are times where the two of you will see someone coming up the drive of your house, up the pathway to come and knock on your door. And you, Sean, you, Sean, will be thinking, yes, there's someone coming up the drive, come to visit up, up to our house to see us and to enjoy our company. And you, Adam, you say, oh, great, there's someone coming up the drive to see us and come in our house and spend some time with us. And as a young man, this was very true. I, I, I was giggling at this time internally because I didn't want to you know, be a bit cool like that. And yes, it was God at work, a young man. And this wasn't like on purpose. It's just the naturally way we're wired sometimes as people. Sean is naturally public and extrovert and has that personality. She naturally has that. I'm naturally private and introvert and like my own space. And those are like the, the natural wirings. But God was kind of provoking something within us both to pave the way for ministry, to pave the way for hospitality in time to come further down the road. And that was a time where we had to look inside ourselves and be challenged by the words of God and the heart of God in it all. Because each of us, there may be something going on within us where God wants to change and challenge and stretch and grow us in our thinking, in our attitudes, and who we are as people. And there's no need to be afraid of those things when God wants to do something. So paving the way for ministry, there was this call to hospitality. And over the years, as we, we have been like small group leaders, we have built friendships through people coming through our door. You know, in small groups, in special events, in having meals, in having barbecues, in going over the park across the road. Just, you know, it is good to be able to do that, but it's good to do that with a great attitude as well. And that was something that was a challenge for myself. And friendships can be for a lifetime or they can be for a certain season in life as well. But it's always a kingdom investment. Over the years, maybe, I suppose hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, not thousands, but a thousand people may have come through our door, our house, we've had a conversation, etc. And who would have thought that, you know, going back, rewinding 30 years ago, that, that that would ever have happened. But for each of us, God is doing something amazing. We may not feel like it at times, we may not even see it at times, but God is at work constantly. How can we be personally hospitable? It doesn't always mean an invitation to our home. You know, that is a special place. But there are other ways too. An invite to meet up, to get together, to have a coffee, to go to the cinema, to do something together. An invitation to go somewhere. To be welcoming to someone who is new in a group setting, who may be quiet and shy and new to a situation. We can develop hospitality as an individual. Hospitality can be our words, our welcome, our greeting, our how are you, get to know your name, 
and who's your family and where are you from? And we get to build a relationship bit by bit by bit by bit so we can be hospitable as a person. To host an event, to be involved, we've heard about Alpha and, and the discussion groups that take place there. We can be hospitable in those scenarios. There are many ways to be hospitable. In a small group setting, it's a great way to learn and be part of church community where we can learn to be friends, learn to be hospitable together. So can I encourage us this morning just to take on board one of Martha's great attributes to be welcoming, to provide a place of welcome and security and relationship. And we're, we're very fortunate in this country to be able to live with no restrictions or lockdowns or persecution as such. But generally, it's a, like a stress-free ministry, being hospitable. It's a great thing we can all do, being a friend, being welcoming. So, in this particular scenario for Martha and Mary and Lazarus, were they excited to have Jesus in the mix? Were they hosting a party just in his honor? Or did they sense a real danger because the religious authorities were angry with Lazarus? You can kind of get your head around the situation here, the importance of it. And they wanted to even kill Lazarus too. Poor old Lazarus, eh? So this is you know, something that we can consider. So that's Martha, hospitality. Next, let's move on to Mary. Mary carries out a surprising act of worship and friendship. Let's look at this verse here. Then Mary took about a pint of nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So Jesus says here about Mary's actions that she's done a beautiful thing for him, preparing his body in advance for burial. And on the day of his crucifixion, his body was like hurriedly um, buried before the Sabbath took place, so meaning the usual burial scenarios and practices were cut short. So Mary here in advance, her act seems to be you know, so meaningful because she's doing something that is significant in this situation. Did she pay close attention to what Jesus was saying? Was she listening to his words and understand what was ahead of him? Perhaps grasping it more than other people. She, she was on the inside track. She was listening to what Jesus had to say. She was seeing you know, what was going to happen. In response, she served in this particular way, anointing him with this fragrance, with this oil, with this perfume. What is our response when we hearing and listening to Jesus, to the stories we hear, the Bible that we study, the voice of God that sometimes comes to us. What is our response in those times? Now, I heard once upon a time that men can retreat into their cave when they're challenged about the situation. Now, I don't know if that's true. I know it's true, because I'm good at doing that. It takes me three days at least when I'm challenged with something that is life-changing or altering, I need at least three days to retreat into my cave and think about it and mull it over and decide what I'm going to do about it. And sometimes that is how we tick as people. Some of us are better at making quick decisions and getting on with it. When we're challenged with the situation, that's fine. I can adapt and change and, and do that. That's no problem. But for many of us, we really have to think how we respond. And I don't think there's any right or wrong way in this, but certainly the good thing to do is to respond to Jesus in a particular way, however long that takes. So, 
What about the, the symbolism of Mary's actions? Nard is expensive. We read it's a year's wages, and she gave everything to anoint Jesus. The anointing fragrance filled the room, filled the house, filled the place. So, like, wherever Jesus was, there was this fragrance. So, for us, we can know that presence of God in our lives. Where we go, we can also be those people who represent the love and the presence of Jesus as we go about speaking and living out in a, in a kind way. She washed his feet with the oil. It was a cultural thing to wash when you're a host, to, to wash the person's feet after their journey. That is what, that, what was done, you know. It was part of a welcome, part of the host's responsibility. And then we read that she used her hair to, to, to wipe and wash his feet, which talks to me about an intimacy, a personal, a vulnerable position, a physical display of friendship, love and worship. It's all a sign of humility and selfless love. And sometimes there's certain like restrictions we, we may feel we operate in or that is just like a, a barrier too far. Even you know, to put your arm around someone and pat them on the back and say, you, you're doing a great job. For some of us, you know, maybe that's a bit of a challenge to be like physically unkind in that way. I, you know, it's a little bit safer. To, for the, the handshake is good, isn't it? The handshake is a, is a safe one. But being kind and loving like that is so amazing, really. So we really get to grips here with a with personal love and intimacy of Christ in this. And not forgetting, of course, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It was a way of explaining to his disciples, well, this is what we do with our lives. We serve one another. We help one another. We have this servant attitude and humility in our relationships and friendships. And then also Mary was commended by Jesus when she'd previously sat at his feet and listened to him. And there's this call to know Jesus' voice, to know him. Relationship is priority and everything else follows. It's like this faith-filled insight that God gives us. So in what ways could we take on this insightfulness of Mary? In what ways can we do that? Now, when we consider what she did with the Nard perfume, now, don't be you, does anyone you use smellies, aftershaves, perfumes, etc.? I do like a smelly, to be honest with you. It used to be Lynx back in the day, back as a teenager. Lynx Oriental was my favorite, well before a lot of your time, probably. Can't get hands on it anymore. But another one that I like is um, London Burberry. London Burberry, that's, that's it there. It's a nice smell, it's a nice aroma. It's quite expensive now, but I did get a half price, which is nice. 65 quid for 100 milliliters. That's a lot, isn't it? This was hot off the press from Boots yesterday. I went to do my research, okay? <laughs> anyway, I had a half price when Debenham shut down, so that's good, isn't it? That's a bargain. Anyway, in that, right, if you think of the, the hours and the expense, London Burberry in comparison to NAD, it is like well out from there. Isn't it? A year's wages, can you believe that? Can you imagine the points you get on your boots card if you're going to buy years <laughs> wages of uh, <laughs> getting smellies? You'll be sorted forever. Anyway, just to get our heads around, you know, this was costly. This relationship sacrifice was costly. You know, it was big. It was a big decision to make. And there was different responses to that. How Jesus responded, how Judas responded. 
Let's take some other examples of giving out and being kind and being generous. In Mark 12, there was a time when Jesus was watching people coming and going by the temple courts. And Jesus watching. There's people watching and people who put their money um, for the temple treasury. And the wealthy, we read, were putting large amounts in. And then a poor widow came along and put two small copper coins into the treasury pot. And Jesus called his disciples and he said, look, she has put everything she had to live on in there. And there's this understanding that this person who was desperate, who was on the last of her funds, was giving all she had to God. Because you know that you know, God is the one who provides and helps and gives us life and helps us with our resources. And there's this heart attitude. You can, it's just understanding a heart attitude of giving our all to God, whatever that means to us. There's another story that we read about, Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. And we read there that Elijah was, was out of the situation. God had called him to the Kerith Ravine. Um, there was a time where, you know, he was like on his own and he would be provided for by ravens meat and drink in the morning, if you remember the story, and meat and drink in the night. So he was sorted, you know, two square meals a day. But he'd also, Elijah had also prophesied to Ahab that there was going to be time of famine and drought in the land. And eventually, where Elijah was drinking from the brook, that brook did dry up. So what was going to happen next? Well, he was still relying on God for his next chapter. And uh, the word of the Lord came to Elijah is to go to Zarephath and a widow will supply food. And I'm just going to read a few verses here for us just to remind us of the story. It reads like this. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So there's this story and context of provision, of faith, of coming to the end of ourselves, the end of our resources, but yet still being faithful to the voice of God. And then in that journey, we recognize the protection and the provision of God in that journey. God doesn't go away. God doesn't go away. He's a faithful God, a loving God, a father to us. And each of these women, Mary, the widow with the copper coins, and this widow here with the flour and the oil, faithful women, Generous women, trusting God in different ways, but living a life of faith, of reality, 
and of generosity. And Mary saw it was well worth giving all to Jesus and is an inspiration to us. An inspiration to us. So, the disciples scorned Mary's actions as a waste of time and a waste of money, but Jesus defended her and saw the value. Perhaps we've encountered something similar in our lives. Maybe people look at our journey of faith and walking with God and might question our commitment, our finances, our giving time to serve Jesus in different ways, whether that's in church like directly or serving in other sacrificial ways, caring for others, etc. But you know what? We can be a constant in our family's lives, in our friends' lives, by just getting on with life with Jesus faithfully, humbly. It's important that our lives do help others in that way. And when we think no one is looking or no one is really taking note, be assured that people do find encouragement when there's a faithful person walking with Jesus. They can see something of a difference. So be encouraged this morning through Mary's actions of faithfulness and generosity. And finally, in closing, the last little bit here, we're going to look at Judas. Uh, no, we're not. I'm going to mention Judas. We're going to look at Lazarus, actually. Keep myself on my toes here. Okay, so first of all, Judas says, doesn't he, that, you know, he's not happy with the fact that Mary's given all away and there's, you know, a year's wages, etc. But what we've got to consider is, you know, where is the authenticity with with Judas, you know, putting his hand in the money bag, stealing, etc. He's still with the disciples, spending time with Jesus day to day, seeing Jesus at work, watching, seeing, being in the mix. But something hasn't gone in somewhere, has it? You know, he just hasn't seen the Messiah at work. He hasn't associated God's love, understanding, integrity. And he was only in this for, the, for his own gain. But Lazarus, on the other hand, He's a friend to Jesus. He's a faithful friend who gets caught up in the jeopardy of it, of it all by being associated with Jesus. Let's have a look at this verse here. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Now, I feel a little bit sorry for Lazarus. You know, he's, he's like died. He's come back to life, which is great. And I was like, no, you're going to have to face some more danger now. That's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? Now, thanks, Jesus, for bringing me back to life. And I have to deal with the religious guys who want to kill me again. It's not very nice, is it? So anyway, but there's still this faithfulness of friendship with Lazarus. He's still walking the walk. He's still, he's a living, breathing testimony of Jesus at work just through the miracles that have taken place in his own life and the friendship that he now has. And each of us have our own story of our lives. We have our own story to tell, our own miracles, our own, own story of transformation and change that God has made in our lives. The miracles, the healings, the prophetic, the signs and wonders, there's this authentic love that Jesus brings into our lives. And Lazarus was... You know, he received that. So our lives can be a speaker into our culture and generation because we've all got our own story to tell. And Lazarus was a great friend to Jesus, sure, that, you know, he'd received so much and he was given back into the scenario as well. 
So those are kind of the things we can remember about Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Hospitality, generosity, and knowing Jesus' voice, and the faithful friendship of Lazarus. And uh, just before I pray in closing, I just wanted to share with you a few words of a very interesting song, an inspiring song. It's a song about friendship. I'm not going to sing it, and I'm not going to read it all out. But I am going to take some verses here just as we prepare ourselves to pray in closing. And this song was written for Toy Story. I know, I've got depth here. You've got a friend in me. Have you heard that one? Well, some of the verses in that song, you've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles away from your nice warm bed, just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you've got a friend in me. Now, I love that theme. If we can be a friend to others along that journey, that is good, isn't it? I love this one as well. You've got troubles. I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We'll stick together and see it through because you've got a friend in me. Now, in our faith journey, over 30 years for myself, I have friends, and we've had ups and downs and rough rides along the way. But we stick together because we understand the love of Jesus and the faithfulness of his love and friendship in our lives. So that is, you know, it's a good thing to remember. You know, stick with each other along the rough and the smooth at the same time. I love this one. It is very significant to me. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am. Bigger and stronger too. Well, bigger, yes, I don't know about stronger. Maybe, but none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and you. So there's this kind of heart of friendship that Buzz and Woody in this particular song have for one another in their journey. But I thought there's some great peachy insights into those words about friendship, about going the distance, about being friends along the way. And as the years go by, our friendship will never die. I shall leave you with those words. All right, let's close our eyes and I shall pray to, to close. Yes, yeah, so we thank you that in this season of Easter, of understanding your sacrifice and faithfulness of going all the way for us, of recognizing the importance of friendship, of trust, of sacrifice and giving, of recognizing your faithfulness to us. We thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your love and your compassion for us. You call us friends. You're our Father. You're our Almighty. You're our great God. And it's so good to know you along the days and the journeys, Lord. We're grateful to you. So I pray that you inspire us today, Lord, to be a friend, to be a, a welcomer, to be hospitable, to have generosity in our hearts and in our lives, and to be that faithful person who can be relied upon. So we thank you for these things now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.